Good evening, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Okay. I was waiting to see if you'd say it back, but you know, <laughs> it's not my day. Um, I want to talk uh, briefly tonight about mothers and hopefully tie that back in. And I want to really open up this gospel tonight, uh, which is, as always, the word of God is so rich and so encouraging, so beautiful. Um, Chesterton, if you have not read Chesterton, the first time you try to read Chesterton, you'll put him down, you'll be like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. Then you'll pick it up two years later, you'll pick him up, and you'll be like, this is amazing. How did I not see this before? Uh, Chesterton is the mo one of the most quotable authors in history. And he has one line, among many, many of them, but he's talking about atheists. And he says, when you talk to an atheist, they seem to know everything. They've memorized every fact. They have measured heaven and earth. They've thought through everything. And he says, they've thought of everything except for the things that are real. And he says, an atheist never thinks about the real things in life. And he says, things like fear on the ocean and the love of a mother. I just love that line. If you're ever struggling with your faith, is God real? My, my temptation is always when someone's like, Father Brian, is God real? I'm like, let's pull out the five proofs of St. Thomas Aquinas. Here we go. Put your philosophy hat on. Buckle up, right? And it, like, never helps anyone. <laughs> uh, I think that's funny. Anyway. All you have to do is think of the love of your mother. There's something in a mother's heart that is unlike anything else. Right? And a mother's love for her children, it tells us something that's real about the world. It tells you that you matter. It tells you that whatever failures and difficulties you might have in your life, that someone loves you. And that that speaks to what it means to be a human being. And I think that's true. We were on the priest convocation, you know, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And uh, the sister, I think I mentioned her last week, was just, I was just blown away by her. Just an amazing woman. But one of the things she mentioned in past, passing, I just want to uh, share with you about Mother's Day I went and looked it up uh, yesterday, but she mentioned it in the conference, and it's totally true, and there's studies that have revealed in the last couple years that when you were in your mother's womb, this is amazing, when you were in your mother's womb, at 21 weeks, when your mother rubbed her stomach, you knew it was her hand. Children in the womb at 21 weeks can tell their mother's hand on the womb versus someone else. Beautiful. Moms, I want to challenge you tonight, and all of us, 
But I want to do it, I think, you know, God always providentially has a word for us in the scriptures. And so tonight, to understand our gospel, what I want to start with is I want you uh, to think about a time that you have been accused of something. All right, so gold star, I bet a lot of you know. What's the Hebrew word for someone who's an accuser? So cute when you whisper. Does anybody know what's, what's the Hebrew word for an accuser? What is it? It's Satan, that's right. So Satan is not a name. Uh, the evil one's name is Lucifer. His title is Satan. He is the accuser. And I want you to think of a time you've been accused in your life. I've been accused of many things at different times in my life. Some of them have been true and some have been false. But all of us have felt this. And I was praying this week thinking, you know, about times in my life that I felt that. And there were a lot of them, but one I thought I'd share with you tonight. Uh, when I was ordained, you get ordained, uh, you have about a month between ordination and your first parish. And when you're ordained, you're just all heart. You've been in seminary for a long time. You've been thinking about the priesthood for a long time. And you just, you're all heart, right? Think of Father Sean. He's all heart, right? I lost mine a long time ago. But, but I was all heart, and I was coming out of the seminary. And my first weekend at my first parish, uh, I worked super hard. I was like, this is it. This is my Sunday Mass. This is my first time as a priest in this church. And I worked super hard and uh, just preached straight from the heart as best as I could. And after Mass, I did what I always do and what most priests do, is I just went outside the church to greet everyone, all of my new church members, and, uh, you know, wait for them. And they came out after Mass, and a couple people come out, they say hello, and they're, they're kind of in a rush. And the third person that came out of the church was shaking his head. And I got a little nervous. I was like, uh-oh. What is he shaking his head for? And I thought he'd come up and say, okay, Father Brian, nice to meet you, and just kind of keep going. But he didn't. And so he, he actually pulled me aside, and I missed a whole bunch of people coming out. He pulled me off to the side, and he told me, he said, that's the worst homily I've ever heard in my life. Right? Uh, I told this story this morning in St. Louis, and my mom was in the congregation, and she didn't know the story and you should have seen her face. <laughs> so if you come after me, just know my mom's coming after you. Um, <laughs> but he did. He pulled me aside, and he just said, that was awful. And he, he just laid into me, and I don't remember everything he said, thank you, Jesus. And, uh, but he offered at the end of that, he said, you know what, there's hope. He said, you know, my schedule's freed up, I'm going to come coach you every week, and we're going to work on your homily together. Now think about that. And not my experiences, but think of your own life. Every one of us in this church, whether it's been from someone outside of us, whether it's been an internal voice, we have all had those moments of profound discouragement. And it's hard when that happens. 
And the natural thing for every one of us is when we encounter that discouragement, we just kind of want to crawl into a hole. And tonight, brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel, right? We should all know this. If you have an accuser, the natural question we should all have is if, Lord, if I'm in court, and court is a major theme of the New Testament. All through the New Testament, in John's gospel especially, but all throughout, Jesus is on trial his whole life. Not just at the end, his whole life. And in the letters of St. Paul, there's a lot of themes around courtrooms. And the question that that should make all of us ask is, and we've all felt this, you have had Satan say things to you. You're a bad mother. Your failure is a father. You're not good at your job. No one will ever actually love you. We have an accuser. In the United States, right, we think, well, if, Lord, if I have an accuser, where's my defense? Well, you've got one. There's good news around this. Tonight, Jesus tells us, you and I have a really good defense. So tonight we're in John chapter 14. You should all go home and read it tonight before you go to bed. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The word in Greek is parakletos. And that word in Greek is taken from the courtroom. Para kletos, uh, kletos means to call, kaleo, and para means alongside. A paraclete is literally someone who has been called alongside you to strengthen and defend you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And listen to this, to be with you forever. The day you were baptized, you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. And the day you were confirmed, that gift was strengthened. The life of God himself and the Spirit was strengthened inside of you. And here's the truth, brothers and sisters talking earlier tonight about like atheism when people come to me and they're struggling with is God real one in one in ten thousand times I get someone who says I don't understand how St. Thomas Aquinas' arguments are airtight which they are no one ever says that to me ever you know what they say to me they say I'm worthless and I don't know where my life is going so there can't be a God. You know what that means? It means the accuser got inside your head. 
And he has lied to you. And you've listened to him. People don't leave the church usually because of intellectual reasons, sometimes. People stop believing in God because they feel like it's all hypocrisy. I have not encountered love. I have not encountered purpose and meaning. Brothers and sisters, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Some friends and I, the other night, we were watching a movie. No one ever believes that priests watch movies, right? It was the Bells of St. Mary's, where it's all about priests. No, it wasn't. Um, But it was a great movie. It was a sports movie. Um, It's called Hustle. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's Adam Sandler's, like, one serious movie. And it was actually good. And what happened in that movie, though, there's a basketball player, and he's super, he's, like, amazingly talented. Just incredible. And in the movie, he trains and he trains, and he can't miss a shot. And no one can stop him. And then on the court, one guy gets in his head. He rattles him. And he can't, from that point, he can't, he can't hit anything. The real battle that we are engaged in, brothers and sisters, is not really something out there. There is a battle for your heart and your soul. And too many of us, we listen to the voice of Satan, of the accuser, We do not listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the advocate. And here's what's at stake. Right, so the Gospels are at pains to show us that what happened in the life of Christ after he ascends to heaven is continued in the life of the church. What Jesus did in his physical life life on earth, he does now through his mystical body, the church. And so at the beginning of of Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. We all know the story, right? The, The Spirit falls on Jesus. The Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And make no mistake, the very next thing that happens, well, there's a genealogy in between, your favorite part. But after the genealogy, Jesus is driven by the Holy Spirit into the desert, and he is tested by Satan. And in all the testings in the wilderness, what Satan does with Jesus every time is he contradicts the word that God had spoken to him at the Jordan. Every temptation in the wilderness, Satan says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. He calls into question his very identity. We all know the story. Christ, of course, does not listen to the evil one. And he casts out Satan. And the very next verse in Luke 4.14, it says, Jesus returned 
in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And a report concerning him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus is baptized, the Spirit falls on him. He has an advocate. He resists the accuser. And he is filled with the power of God. And in the following chapters in Luke's Gospel, Jesus will travel in the northern part of Israel, driving demons out. The next scene, one more scene in the Gospels there. And the next scene, Jesus goes to Nazareth. And he pulls out the scroll from Isaiah. And he reads from chapter 16, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. Here's my point. Jesus' story is our story. Tonight in the gospel, he promises us that he will not abandon us, that he will pour out the Spirit, and he does so at Pentecost. And here's the thing, for a lot of Catholics, you all have that friend who has that amazing car that they never drive, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you can't be a Catholic. Go home and watch it. Right? But you, you have that friend who has a car who never drives it. You've got that person who has a beautiful guitar and it just hangs on their wall. I used to have a, a nice bike and I never rode back in my seminary days and the rector would chew me out about it. So many of us, brothers and sisters, God does not give you the Holy Spirit for you just to feel good. He gives the Holy Spirit to you to preach the gospel to the world around you and to drive out Satan. That's why he gives us the Spirit. So many of us have a gift that we never use. But you have it, and tonight what you should do at the end of Mass, after you receive communion... You should get on your knees and ask him to pour the Holy Spirit out in a deeper way. Finally tonight, moms, I want to come back to you. If you're anything like my mom, I think the thing my mom wants more than anything in life is for her children not to suffer. Moms have a heart. I think when I, when I have a tough time, that's why I don't tell my mom all the stories, it hurts her more than me. But moms, I want to encourage you, your job is not to keep your children from suffering. Your kids will suffer. All of us do. That's not what matters. Your job is for your children to know who they are. It's for them to know who they are. That they belong to God. That no matter what failures they might have or sins, that they are beloved sons and daughters. And your job is to teach them to reject the voice of the accuser.
The best way you can do that is if you do it yourself. Jesus, tonight, drive out the evil one from our midst. Lord, help all of us to reject the voice of the accuser. Bless our mothers. Help them to know how much we love them. Jesus, pour out your spirit.